male living space a podcast about spas Welcome to Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks. I'm Gib Christensen, and I love the band Sparks. I'm Jamie Ugihara, and I don't know one single thing about the band Sparks. And together, we're dissecting this seminal brotherly band's complete body of work, one album at a time. Now, last time, we talked about what is mostly seen as their breakout hit, Kimono My House. Although, last episode, Jamie didn't quite see what was getting so much acclaim at the time. You found things to dig, for sure, but you seemed a little confused at how this would be the one that made such a big splash. Yeah, it would be fair to say that I was very lukewarm on Kimono My House, and I didn't really get a lot of the hubbub around it. Yeah, and so um, before we really dissect this album, I want to make a guess. I'll find the answer near the end of the episode, so you don't tell me. I feel like you ended up liking propaganda way more. You are 100% correct. I knew it. Even from the second song, I was like, I think this is what Jamie was missing. But uh, the Male Brothers, when they were starting to gain some legit fame in the UK, they really liked the idea of spreading fake, silly information about themselves. Even at an interview at the end of this version of the album on Spotify, they even talk about themselves not even really like brothers, that just they're two guys who happen to be born in California and like making music. I feel like that sort of feeling, it kind of lends itself to the tone of the record, which is still confident, but a lot more paranoid than the last one. Propaganda was made in a much shorter time than Kimono My House, mainly because of the label pressuring them to top it. While they had over a year to brainstorm and everything for that record, they wrote and recorded Propaganda within three months. Okay, so my suspicion was that the songs from the Propaganda Sessions were mixed in with the songs from the Kimono My House sessions and oh. that they were separated by sound. But you're telling me that Propaganda was kind of a rush job? Yeah, there is one song on it that is a demo from Kimono My House, and that's Alabama Right. But besides that, no, they just felt an immense pressure from the label to be like, you need to do that again. Your first two records were not making a splash, but this one did something. Keep doing that. And thankfully, they didn't really replicate it. I think it's a very unique sound that they've created here. Now, they did end up changing the lineup. We did, of course, lose mean bassist Martin Gordon and his <laughs> powerful bass playing. Rest in pussy. Yeah. <laughs> they also replaced one of the uh, guitarists because as Kimono My House was getting bigger and bigger, people were starting to sort of assume that the entire band was like a permanent lineup and that they were all friends and it wasn't just the male brothers who auditioned some people. And they kind of didn't like that assumption because as time went on throughout the touring, they were finding the bandmates to be way more like hardcore partiers than the two of them and just weren't into it. They couldn't even really hang out with them much because they wanted to go out and do all the drugs and all the drinking and Ron and Russell wanted to like write poetry and make a quiche they wanted to make dessert according to their interview oh yeah true i'm so glad you listened to the interview too you talk about making a cookbook and everything it's a good time we definitely recommend checking out the interview if you didn't along with the tracks yes 
it comes as the last track on the 21st century re-release of this record, which also comes with the songs Marry Me and Alabama Right. Yeah, exactly. Also, part of why they ditched the guitarist was they really wanted to shift their style after Kimono and felt that for this record, he was a bit too bluesy. That, that's the word they use for his riffs. That definitely was kind of the main source of tension during recording this record. To the point where in the song Achoo, the onslaught of Achoo's near the end, while I love it, it's actually a replacement for a solo by Adrian <laughs> Fisher. Yes! They replaced what they called a bluesy riff with just a bunch of sneezes they recorded. <laughs> So a little bit of tension there, but otherwise it did come out to positive reception, didn't sell as well, but the critics liked it. Still, America wasn't paying a ton of attention, but at least now there's kind of, you know, trickling, you know, rumors as glam rock was starting to kind of come to the U.S. Not as hard as it did in the U.K., but enough that there were followers talking in the U.S. Now, I think this would probably be a good time to move to our Sparks Book Report, don't you think, Jamie? Oh, 100%. Why don't you explain to the audience the ignitometer that we use in this podcast? It would be my pleasure. So, because this is a podcast about sparks, naturally, everything is going to be graded on a scale with units that indicate things that ignite and produce sparks. So, this is a scale of 10 items which go all the way from a measly stone, a little piece of flint, little scrawny piece of flint, weak-ass flint, pussy-ass flint, to <laughs> the perennial favorite, oil left in pan too long, which produces the most sparks, as any home chef worth their salt can tell you. And so, with each record, we first do a Sparks book report and rank each other's report on this ignitometer. If I may start, Jamie? Please do. This is Gib Christensen's Sparks book report on propaganda. Get wet with Sparks. In their first post-breakout album, the males continue to play with different styles instead of choosing to just make another kimono my house because it sold well. Like listening to a French guy confessing a bunch of crimes on his yacht, this album is a more anxious, piano-led escapade than the last, and in my opinion, a more appropriate sample of Sparks as a whole. Very happy that you mentioned all of the boat imagery, because there is quite a bit of it. Yeah, and also a fun fact I found out about the cover art with Ron and Russell tied up and being taken somewhere. The shot specifically on the front, where they're on a boat, that's real terror in their faces because it was actually in the middle of an extremely stormy day that they took this picture. <laughs> and the formation of the wave that looks like a person, that was done later by an illustrator? Uh, yes, I believe. And then uh, on like the back photo and the rest, you can kind of see the rest of the band and also their manager popping up. That's my general thoughts on it. <laughs> so this is Jamie's Sparks Book Report on 1974's Propaganda. Sparks' second full-length release from 1974 fares far better than their first, for how it sets aside the showboating of Kimono My House for a pleasant speedboat trip through relatively calm waters. Propaganda sees the newly settled UK residents continue their habit of refining previous sonic choices to great effect. 
To name a couple of key examples, the chipper keyboard riffs that introduce Achu echo those of Talent as an Asset, and traces of Kimono My House's hulking ballad, Thank God It's Not Christmas, can be found in the tempo of Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth and the pleading lyrics of Don't Leave Me Alone With Her. Gone is the flashy guitar playing, for the most part, which is to the record's benefit, as its most heavy and noisy cuts, At Home At Work At Play and Boin Voyage, are some of its least fiery overall. The amount of shock I felt upon hearing of the acclaim heaped upon Sparks' third album is only matched by my admiration for their fourth, which stands above Kimono My House in every respect. I'll bet the farm on it. Ooh. Really good ending there. All right. Great book report. Well, I'd give uh, your book report on propaganda a oil left in pan too long. I think that was really, really good. Really? Yeah, it was really succinct. You got both sides of your opinion out there really well. You named song examples, which was really nice, and also these detailed comparisons to the last record. I'm also just really happy that I was right, and this is just like <laughs> much more your cup of tea. Would you say this is a better gateway to the band than Kimono? Almost certainly. Yeah. Right on. Well, Gib, it is kind of remarkable the way that a lot of our notes from our book reports had certain parallels to them. Us both mentioning <laughs> boat imagery, us both mm. mentioning the conspicuous de-emphasis on guitar work. So I wasn't entirely sure what you meant about a French man reciting crimes. <laughs> Yeah, that was more just a random joke. That's on me. <laughs> it's a bit of a head-scratcher, but certainly that sort of oddball touch is mm -hmm. welcome in your writing. I do wish that maybe it had been clarified a little bit, so Gib, I'm going to say that your Sparks book report is a big, healthy Tesla coil right underneath the bad toaster, which is right underneath oil left in pan too long. It's a terrific report that you've done today. Thank you very much. Now that we are done with that, let's name our top three tracks on the album. Jamie, would you like to start? I most certainly would. My top three tracks on Propaganda are Thanks But No Thanks, Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth, and Achu. Nice. My top three are BC, Achu, and Reinforcements, actually. Oh, yes. I've thought about putting Reinforcements in my top three. We'll talk about Reinforcements, but with BC... I misinterpreted the lyrics, but it still kind of works with the narrative, which I think is funny. So in the book, it explicitly says that the song is about a uh, like mom, dad, and kid, and yes. the mom and kid running away. I didn't quite notice one of the uh, earlier lyrics in it, Our boy is a Charlie, so the neighbors sing hooray. So <laughs> ignoring that line, I actually thought it was about a guy who's the last to know that he's getting kicked out of a thruffle. <laughs> Uh, and that he's just like, but ABC, we have this going. Come on. For BC, where are you guys going? So just, much for our stability. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, you're conveniently forgetting our little wedding. I thought that was him. Mm -hmm. Just be like, come, but come on. The, the three of us were cool. So I really enjoy both interpretations, which I think is part of what brought it to the top for me. I was like, oh, I like it a lot either way, whether it's my idea or their exact idea. Yeah. BC reminded me that sparks are very hammy and that they love show tunes <laughs> yeah they, they know how to make show tunes snarky and weird their own flavor on them it's nice it felt very much like their cover of do re mi was their 
first go at this sort of show tune. And then they've been able to come to propaganda with BC, which is their version of one of those Rogers and Hart, or even going far back as like Gilbert and Sullivan tracks, where it's a flurry of words that sound very pleasant and ultimately add up to a very simple sort of yeah. message. Let's talk about the top one that we both agree on, Achoo. Yes. This is the first track I ever heard off of this album, actually, because the title alone, I was like, what is Achoo? And it's exactly what I was hoping for, an onslaught of sneezes turned into music. <laughs> I love that it sounds like talent is an asset. Yeah. <laughs> There are those tinkling piano melodies that, when I heard them on Talent as an Asset, they reminded me of the stock YouTube music, but now <laughs> they just remind me of Talent as an Asset when I hear them on Achu. Then you pair it with the lyric, which is about a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of hits home these days, huh? <laughs> Definitely. And that's a killer hook. It just makes for a really well-put-together pop song. And then that onslaught of sneezes at the end is your first <laughs> hint in your early listens that something is amiss because they're, like, offbeat. Yeah. And then once you read the lyric and you see that it's about a pandemic and there's that wonderful lyric, the winners will be also rams, <laughs> the pandemic being a sort of great equalizer in the mind of this narrator it's yeah. a very interesting perspective and a very timely topic and i just love the way that it moves from one musical idea to the next yeah that's a really good way to describe it for me the main things that appeal are a lot more like the gentle keyboards and stuff at the beginning the atmosphere just really pulls you in and then when, when the drum and guitar kick in it's like oh what is this journey where am i going with this song called achu that sounds very majestic and again very yacht rock-esque like i feel it has the same atmosphere i get from the cover watery mystery which is also my detective series coming soon that's right, Watery Mystery, a retired sea captain who has taken it upon himself to become the private detective of the high seas. Yeah, we even got a bored Christian Slater to show up for an episode or two. Depends on, like, how quickly he eats lunch. Uh, but that's, a, you know, not important right now. I want to hear your opinions on Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth. It's everything I wanted Slowboat to be. Oh, okay. Because Sparks has kind of a strange track record with ballads. The first album has Slow Boat, which, as everyone knows, is a perennial unfavorite for me. Sure, sure. The second album has The Louvre, which I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. They do Thank God It's Not Christmas on Kimono My House, which we didn't get the chance to talk about during the episode. Oh, but yeah. it just sort of seems like a parody of Happy Xmas War is Over by John Lennon. It's not really yeah. one of my favorites. And honestly, mm -hmm. the sound of it just forecasts a bunch of bad Christmas charity singles that would come out of the UK <laughs> in the next decade. <laughs> sure, totally. But Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth applies the sincerity of Slowboat to something that actually matters while also still kind of 
taking a lot of imagery from slow boat yeah that's a really good point i agree with that it's like like you said it's very genuine and upfront with the message but it's not abrasive or forced or anything it's like i can definitely see ron and russell wanting to put out some sort of environmentalist song and it helps that yeah they didn't force in like a bunch of guests to sing as one and save the world with song it's a short song too it's less than three minutes it is in and it's out it's got one bass melody essentially and then it plays through the lyrical idea of this person coming back from a party overseas with their friends seeing clouds turn gray and is feeling repentant feeling dominated by nature Combined with those tinkling synthesizer melodies, I love what you were saying about a very watery atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that really is consistent through the whole album. It really does feel like I'm again like I'm literally on a yacht. It's true yacht rock, but I <laughs> but I don't hate it. I'm not being shoved a margarita by someone in a Hawaiian shirt that would get burned in Hawaii. No, it's you're just... like sharing a Cuba Libre. With two guys with opposite hair. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Now, uh, what was your uh, final top three again? Thanks, but no thanks. What's the uh, main highlight in it for you? The main riff. (laughs) What a terrific melody. Yeah. The story, at least in the book, how they describe it, is it's supposed to be a song about a child's perspective on like parental authority. Right. I think it's a really neat, interesting, and unique story. And like you said, the instruments fucking rule. I dig the combo of Russell's high notes and like synthy pipe organ. It's a nice little precursor to kind of when they get a bit more electronic in their future. Definitely feels like earlier experiments in synthesizer led pop. And I do love all of the clues as to that story in the lyrics especially in the chorus my orders come from high above me just a foot or two above me (laughs) yeah that's so good very catchy song reinforcements reinforcements i love the second half of reinforcements Mm -hmm. me too for me i just kind of would have the chant reinforcements reinforcements going in my head like a, a weird sort of going to work song yeah it's got Um, this nice marching rhythm to it yeah that's exactly what it is it has this nice marching tempo and everything it really gets stuck in my head super easily that way and i think it's a neat story if i'm interpreting it right they don't go super in depth about it in the book but it kind of feels like a character who is trying to put themselves out there when they don't usually or it's been forever and they're making sure they have this army of reinforcements like emotional reinforcements to be like i don't want to explode if this doesn't go well so Help me, knights, or whatever type mm-hmm. of reinforcements Russell imagines. What what kind of army would Russell Mail have? It's an army of very fancy boys <laughs> who are very skilled at, like, fencing. <laughs> Russell, r- release the fancy boys. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Mail and his fancy boy battalion. Really quick, not a tangent, but a little note that makes it funny for me is there's a an X-Men villain named Mr. Sinister, and 
he has his henchmen and he calls them all his nasty boys and that just really <laughs> feels like the same energy to me <laughs> so, yeah, it's just same vibe i took the song to be not necessarily one about someone who wanted to get out further in the world i thought it was someone who was in a fight with their partner okay oh that does make sense yeah there was one lyric in the bridge it didn't work on you in fact most things they tell recruits never seem to do (laughs) okay yeah i can see that yeah that makes more sense this idea that it's being addressed to a you i think was what Mm. tipped me off that it may be between two people i feel that so now that we have covered our top three tracks it seems to be time for an ad break so we will return to you with our bottom three tracks in just a moment stay tuned totally awesome isn't sparks like totally dutical they're okay okay twiggy sparks is your ultimate favorite group in the whole world for sure hello jamie do you feel secure who's asking the people of the world the listeners jamie the millions of people listening millions of people listening (laughs) of course i feel secure (laughs) calm calm down breathe breathe you have to tell me to breathe out too oh right out 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 (gasps) don't want a dead co-host who will I riff with? Who will I mock? Who will I pay less? Okay, security. What if I said to you that you could be even more secure than you are now? I'd jump at the chance. Do you have a ring light or something similar? A lot of people have them these days. I do, as a matter of fact. I want to make sure that all of my possessions are secure, especially my prized glass collection. Lovely. Almost as good as my collection of keyboards without keys. But I digress. Those ring lights, they make your home feel secure, but that's not the only place you go, is it? You leave your home sometimes, right? I do. I go to glass collector conventions. Yeah, and those have people there Mm. and other stuff, dangerous things. I've heard bad things about wind. Yes. Yes, wind. But we have the solution to that. The at-home, at-work, at-play security service where the world is your home, and we've got our eye on it. Now, ring lights only cover that measly square of land that you sleep in, fart in, and whatever else people do. Uh, Our security system, or really our security network of agents and black turtlenecks and long pants, will make sure someone's eye is always on you wherever you go. If you're at home, if you're at work, at the factory factory if you're at play in the park there's someone in the bush to make sure someone else in a bush doesn't get you but gib how am i going to tell what the good bushmen are and what the bad bushmen are it's very easy you know how if a cop is a cop and you ask if you're a cop they have to say yes they have to say yes why would a cop lie to me why would a cop lie to you (laughs) so If you are suspicious of uh, two individuals, one may be your security service and one may be some sort of creepo, all you have to do is ask a simple question. Friend or foe? Friend or foe? Precisely. Now, 
if the person you're talking to is in fact a member of our at-home, at-work-at-play security service, they will give the signal. The signal, it will be in uh, the manual for when you receive your service, but uh, just to Ugh, tell you this it's once. It's so heavy. Yep, sorry. Uh, it's not even really that many pages. It's five pages, but of really, really thick paper. We want to use the best stuff, you know? It's just best foot forward best paper forward uh pay it forward the... that's just one page i'm just knocking my finger against one page oh yeah this is the one book that will get you both brain smart and muscle big at the same time but gib if i'm muscle big maybe i don't need a security system to help protect my glass collection you're not the first person to ask us that the idea that what if you yourself are strong and capable there are actually downsides to being strong. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? Have you heard this, anybody? Yes. Some say that uh, if you reach a certain level of strength, you're actually overpowered for the world and aren't allowed in rooms with weaker people. We're living in a crazy time. I've also heard that if you build enough muscle, it actually creates a lot of air in your limbs and people can pick you with a pin and then it all just goes out like that's right balloon syndrome balloon a syndrome it affects nearly 521 adults across the globe it's a true sad serious and present cause as a matter of fact all of the proceeds from the at home at work at play security system go to the suffering victims of balloon syndrome that is very true the male living space official cause is indeed balloon syndrome to avoid that of course you could get weaker but also if you really are stuck strong but want a security system we can just simply hire stronger people than you we just require a ahead of time report on your strength typically we ask just how many sharks can you weigh how many sharks can you lift actually but we also do ask you how many sharks you can put on a scale because that will determine where you are in terms of your location. Because if you are, for example, on a island country, we won't be able to put as many good men in your bushes. Because you don't have bushes. Yeah, where are they going to hide? Why would you live somewhere with no bushes, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> so often. <laughs> well, hey, you can only be secure if your security is hostile. And uh, That's right. At home, at work, at play is constantly rated the number one most hostile security service <laughs> annually. We believe passive aggressivism is the weakest aggressivism, and we would like to <laughs> kick its ass through the power of at home, at work, at play security. Get it. Unless you've already got it, in which case we'll tell you about it. <laughs> okay, bye! And we're back. We're back. With Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks. We were just talking about our top three tracks on the album Propaganda. And now we shall talk about our bottom three. Jamie. What tracks made it to your bottom three? Well, Gib, my bottom three tracks for propaganda are At Home, At Work, At Play, Who Don't Like Kids, 
and Bon Voyage. We're actually very in common with this album. My bottom three are Bon Voyage, Who Don't Like Kids, but the sort of standout dislike, I guess, is Marry Me. Actually made it to the bottom. Oh, really? Yeah, but as kind of more of a I have to pick a third kind of thing. I was. I wouldn't call it a bad song, but more just like it just doesn't fit. It does feel really extra. Um, Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I'm more interested in talking about the other bottom three. God, who don't like kids is annoying. It is. And I get that maybe that's part of the joke because statistically I've heard that the typical music listener doesn't like listening to children's voices and then here is a song that bombards you with children's voices and it's asking you in this very cheeky way throughout the song, who don't like kids? Yeah, exactly. I just... <laughs> As it went on, I just felt like more and more of like, uh, I'm being accused of being an asshole. Or it's like, hey, hey. Although this is a bottom track, I sort of gave it the this episode's uh, movie song. Mm-hmm. So, Who Don't Like Kids, to me, feels like the opening for a family movie where the neighborhood kids stop an old, bitter Justin Long from turning the playground <laughs> into a paperwork factory. They put baby powder in Justin Long's hair to make oh, him yeah. seem older. <laughs> Yeah, see, they barely spend any money on the aging of Justin Long because actually all of the kids are celebrity kids. So, like, we paid a lot for Vin Diesel's dumb kid. Yeah, we're just going to use some powder and, like, powdered milk for the graying. But it's, it's yeah, it's not a good movie. Out of all the pitches for Justin Long movies I've given for this show, this is definitely the one where I'm like, we can pass on this, guys. Yeah, this one seems like a flop. I just don't mm-hmm. think people are going to believe that a character of Justin Long's could be accurately described as crotchety. He is an abrasively chipper character actor. <laughs> 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 no, actually, what I really want to talk about is uh, your dislike for At Home, At Work, At Play. I think I have an idea of why you didn't like it. Would you call, at least at first, what Russell is doing in the track technically more rapping? <laughs> No, I wouldn't call it rapping. Okay. There is a okay. spoken section of reinforcements that's a little closer to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Okay. So what was the main reason that deterred you from the song? Because it's not one of my top three, but I, I enjoy it still. I think I had reservations about it in the same way that I do for Bon Voyage, which is that they feel significantly heavier than much of the other songs especially the stuff in the middle of the record which i love very very much at home at work and play stumbles into a lot of the stop start rhythmic ideas of one of my least favorite tracks on kimono which was complaints oh yeah and bon voyage i really wish that i liked any of the sparks album's original closing tracks as much as i liked no more mr nice guys off the first record yeah but it just seems that their closers all have this habit of stretching out in ways that feel out of place yeah whippings and apologies kind of mm-hmm. spun in a circle for two minutes at the end equator runs through one melody ad nauseum <laughs> And Bon Voyage is the lighter waving rock (laughs) 
study. <laughs> That's part of why I didn't like its repetitive nature. Because I can dig repetitive songs. Sure, a lot of like old punk, old Ramones and stuff like mm-hmm. that is kind of chanting the same shit over and over again. But it's just ill-fitting. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like, it's not a repetition you want to like dance to or stick around with. It's just like, oh, this is the end i guess okay. you can imagine that maybe the song was created so it could play at the end of their yeah concert. yeah there you go that's a good way of putting it the sort of jarring heaviness at first almost felt a weird sort of similar feeling towards never turn your back on mother earth initially hmm. it's not throttling obviously or intense like at home at work at play but I think just the general nervous energy of it came to a big halt with that one. Even though it wasn't in my top three, I do really enjoy the energy and speed of, say, something for the girl with everything. Mm -hmm. I love the solo near the end of that, and the drums have a nice smashing to them. And so I kind of at first thought the general order of tracks was a bit weird, but the more I thought about it and the more I was seeing what you were talking about it with its actual genuine approach... It just, it could have been so much worse. A <laughs> 1974 environmentalist track by some art rockers could be horrible. But, nah, it's just a nice slow jam. I dig it. It's very welcoming. Yeah, yes, yes. And I think At Home at Work at Play felt a little more in your face right after the 23 second intro track. It wanted to come in blazing. And it's yeah. really not the mood that that first track created. And that dissonance, which probably would have been welcome later on in the album, just made it hard to sit through at the beginning, knowing that something as well thought out and well suited to the record as reinforcements comes just one track later. Yeah, it does really feel like Reinforcements probably wouldn't been a better follow-up after the intro track. Because At Home, At Work, At Play does kind of give you this impression of what the record could be like. It's like, oh, maybe it's just all this sort of thrashing intensity. But no, when you get into Reinforcements, that's the actual general sound of the record. At Home is more of the oddity, the occasional intense yeah. song. It is one of the songs that sounds the most like something off of Kimono, which may be why it's there at the very top. Yeah. Yeah, true. And why it was a single. Still baffling that it's a single. Apparently in America, the only single was Achoo. <laughs> <laughs> they spread multiple tracks across a bunch of different countries, but for us, I guess the main press was Achoo. Because apparently the next record actually is where they try to take a jab at an American audience again. Oh. This was still more them chilling with their British ways and being comfortable where they are with their like huge UK fan base. Yes, and you can even see them continue some of their more Brit-friendly tendencies. Like, they still call raincoats Max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to look that one up. I was like, what? My Mac? <laughs> so, that takes us to ranking the album with our patented Ignitometer. Knowing that you've liked this, I'd say way more than Kimono My House. Mm-hmm. Where is it on the meter for you, Jamie? Well, I've got to say, because of the clarity of the musical compositions, the succinct track lengths, and for demonstrating that 
once Sparks got out of their experimental phase, they could settle properly into being a band that wrote really smart songs and really catchy songs. I am going to say that Propaganda is worthy of a bad toaster. Ooh, very nice. By far the highest ranking album for you. Cool. I'd say, still not sure I'd call it better than Kimono My House. I feel like they're two distinct flavors of Sparks. They're like moods. Part of why I like bands like them who have these giant discographies is it gets to that point where every record is just its own mood. You know, if it's a bad day, this record from 80-something. If it's a good one, this from 90-something. And so Kimono feels like when you're in a shredding mood, that real guitar heroism side of their stylings, of like getting really flashy with it. And then propagandas for if you're really in the mood to hear the keys and these weird rhythms. Uh, less in your face, I guess. So I like Kimono as an in-your-face album and then Propaganda as a chill weirdo album. So I think I'm going to give it the same ranking I gave Kimono My House, a Tesla coil. Mm. Still great. Different moods rather than different quality. Our final segment for this episode is... You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail. Our monthly look at reader feedback on the show. If you would like to send us some, our P.O. box is non-existent, but our email box, we could add a P.O. to if you insist. We do um, have a B.O. box. It's a little thing in the post office, and you can write to us about what you've been smelling like lately. Yeah, what you've been smelling what like. What you've been smelling like, listeners. What you smelling like. <laughs> <laughs> What's Episode your aroma, title? folks? We want to know the general aroma of the fan base. We want to know if we get you crowded in a room together, can we take it? <laughs> so anyway, did you receive any mail, Jamie? As a matter of fact, Gib, I did. Uh, oh no, ah. is it for me again? Oh, is it finally for you? Or ah, shucks, you get more? it's for you, you again. You keep getting my mail! I keep getting your mail! <laughs> it's like, I don't know, illegal? I don't know, open it, you have it. Okay, okay, here it is. <clears throat> to Mr. Christensen, that's you. It's me. We would like to thank you for everything that you have done so far for the sufferers of balloon syndrome. Enclosed oh. is a check for $68.33. It is your cut of the money that has already been donated. Please remind your audience that the sufferers of balloon syndrome, also known as BS, are in dire need of financial assistance as research on the topic is frightfully sparse. Remember, there is nothing more serious than BS. Uh, faithfully yours. Dr. Milt Frank Weiler, PhD, Balloon Syndrome Institute. So, that's the real deal on BS. Wow. <laughs> that's really touching. I'm glad that I'm making an over $60 impact on this foundation. Oh, okay, yeah, but it's not yeah. about the money, it's the thought. Yeah, I'm thinking about that money. <laughs> um... <laughs> um 
I am happy to let you know that this will go to a extremely expensive breakfast order, and I will be the least favorite customer of the day. Gib, your you. closet's already overflowing with hash browns. You don't need to buy any more. But what if the stock goes up and the value, the, the paper money is going out the door and NFTs have been out for a long time? I'm thinking... Potato currency. Potato currency. <laughs> you know, costs about five spuds. I've been watching too many of those G lifestyle videos. They're getting in your head. Listen, they're persuading me to change my opinion a lot. So I'm just going to assume it's for the better and they care about me. I don't like, know, it, dude. That, that seems like a cult. When's the last time you saw a cult give away a free hat? That didn't even look like Alfred Molina in the video. <laughs> well, okay, I get it. We're all watching Spider-Man 2 a lot for the nostalgia, but it's not 2004 anymore, guys. Alfred Molina does not look like 2004 <laughs> Alfred Molina. Get with the times. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to turn that thank you into something hostile about Alfred Molina. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, thank you, BS, for everything you've done for me. Jamie, yet again, in a, at this point, very predictable act of the post office, I have received your letter for this episode of the podcast. <laughs> what are the odds? What are, I, we gotta get a mathematician on the show to find the odds. And the evens. Right, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, my first note, I'll say, is the corners of this letter are indeed singed. Mm. This seems to have been through some sort of fire. I'm not sure if on purpose or not. It did also come folded in a bottle that was sent to me from the sea. Oh, was it? I don't want to assume it's from a pirate because I haven't you know, read the letter yet, but I don't know who else is still doing bottle note delivery service these days. Anyway, I'll unfurl it. We are, Jamie. <laughs> wow, that they filled a whole line with just that. That's a lot of exclamation points. Yar, Jamie. We be disagreeing about your thoughts on the water-based musical accompaniments that we have decided to add to our... I don't know what this accent is. I'm sorry, pirate. It's a pirate Uh, accent. I think it's proper. Thank you. While we agree with your opinions that we're assuming you have before you recorded the episode for propaganda, we have a grievance. That's about slow boat, isn't it? Yeah, it's about slow boat. The boat. We as a crew have experienced a lot of slow boats, Yar. And as pirates, we like being seen. And so to see the brother's male respect the eye patch and peg leg creed fills our wooden hearts with joy more than any gold coin could provide us. Provided is a parrot to send a response letter back. Parrot may be dead. Might need to buy a separate parrot. Thank you and good yar. Good yar. <laughs> Pirate didn't even name themselves. Yeah, like, wow. You just got a letter from a pirate with no name. Which makes it very hard to respond, but apparently this is the captain of an entire crew. I guess so, yeah. Maybe the bird knows. I am holding a dead bird. Oh. So this is probably the bird he sent. Yeah, you might need to buy a bird. Hang on, I'm, I'm... Okay, I'm on this, like, pet adoption site. Um... Okay, I can actually buy a bird for $68.33. All right. This charity just keeps on giving. Uh, Gib, we can't spend our charity money on buying a bird. That's dishonest. You're right. We shouldn't be talking about this on the podcast. Dishonesty's for off the mic. (laughs) You forget that. We'll find that exact amount of money 
some way else. Uh, the streets, the skies. Uh, I mean, if perhaps the waters. Gib, turn the letter over. Is there a map or something on the back? I think I'm not totally sure. I'm not a uh, treasure uh, scientist, but this seems like a treasure map. There are a, a bunch of dashes seemingly you know, across the sea. This seems to be mm-hmm. a map of what I believe to be the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, instead of an X, it just seems to be a tiny little picture of a boat. All the other boats are ahead of it. But this boat, Jamie, this boat seems to have everything you love on it. Every single thing that you enjoy is on what seems to be a slow boat. <laughs> I think you have to find this slow boat and get on. Get on the slow boat, Jamie. It's got all your things. All right. Listeners, the next time that you hear from us, a month from now, I will have ventured into the Atlantic Ocean and sought out my fortune on this boat. And who knows what treasures I may come up with. I don't think it'll be anything that's going to rival my glass collection. But of course. We'll see. I'm going to send you a picture of the map. I can't quite tell what all is on the boat, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's stuff you like sent. What are you seeing? Uh, It looks like some sandwich bread, oh, some honey-baked ham. <gasps> um, is, that a, is that low moisture mozzarella? No, that's provolone. And that is a barrel mu 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 five mustard. That's a barrel of mustard. I don't know how to tell the pirate this, but they didn't get everything I wanted. But they merely found the ingredients for the sandwich I like. Yeah, you're going to want to do this. Listeners, make sure to tune in next month, not just because we will be listening to Sparks's next album, Indiscreet, but also... I will have returned from the slow boat. Yeah. So, thank you all for listening to this episode of Male Living Space. Thank you very much. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any podcast apps of your choosing, leave a five-star review, and you might end up on our very famous You've Got Mail segment next. And now, for your listening pleasure and ours, Gib, if you please. Yes. Here are six seconds of legally playable music from Sparks's Propaganda. Bye! Bye.